guys, you all know who this is by now. So, I know we talk a lot about new horror these days, but what are some of your favorite classics? Like, pre-Night of the Living Dead, pre-1968 and back. Like, you can go back as far as silent films if you want to. So, thanks. So, probably call you next week, thanks. Well, thank you, Nameless Caller, who, let's face it, isn't nameless at this point. Uh, I, I'll i go ahead and start off. I have an answer okay. this week. I actually go way, way back when you're talking like pre-1968, unless there's horror movies that I didn't realize were made just before that, and I assume that they're made around that time or after. I go way back into like like Nosferatu or the stuff I really like that's really... What's the best way? It's kind of like Uncanny Valley to me is stuff like Hexen, mm. where you have almost like that stop motion y type aspect. And I think it's just because it's the frame rate in which the film is actually spinning when they're recording, plus they're doing the 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 forced perspective for the large stuff, small stuff. But those old films like that, there's a bunch of them on HBO right now, too. That stuff really messes with me. And I also like the silent aspect because there's definitely a gap in time in which horror is not scary to me because the acting is not what we're used to, like what it would later become. Like, it's just so very like over the top, like my 1920s <laughs> voice, like just like this is how did people really talk this way back then? Or is that just what Hollywood did and people were cool with it? So I actually do go pr- earlier into the, like the silent era to to those much older horror movies. How about you, Megan? Um, well, I feel like s- stuff around 1960, uh, like Psycho or Peeping Tom or Black Sunday or a little bit later with Black Sabbath. But just the year before in 1967, the one I kind of revisit a lot just because it makes me happy is uh, Spider Baby. Oh, yeah, you know, see, I didn't even think Spider Baby. Spider Baby's a good one. Yeah. Like, and I forgot Psycho was 1960. I see. I, yeah. I didn't even think about it. Like, there's that, it's kind of this gray area of, I don't know what year that was. Oh, yeah. I play it safe and I just go way back. I go for the fences. <laughs> How about you, Zena? I really love um, Eyes Without a Face in Diabolique. I think it's a good time. Bringing mm. in the French horror. Yeah. Yeah, those are good picks. I like that none of us went with, like, the classic Universal Monsters. Well, and I told you guys this. That's kind of like a blind spot for me with some of them. So, and I I really need to fix it. Like, I have, like, some of them on DVD that I need to go back and and watch and stuff. So, hopefully one day, very soon. Yes. That's funny because I was actually thinking that when I said the old horror movies that just aren't scary to me because of the acting. That I was immediately like, well, there's Dracula and Frankenstein. And, like, they... They are, they are what they are, and they're fine. Hey, what? oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, my brain just went idea. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> we we only have one question, right? And then I just a, yeah. a question just popped in my brain that I think that could be fun to answer. Okay, this is a question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what name a name a fictional well name a horror movie town that you would not want to live in? Oh, there's so many, but one where it's just like you would not want to live in. You what, can what pick a, two. 
Oh, two. I, I think I only need one for sure. Or and one. I cannot remember what, what the... I'm going to botch it. What is it? Harlow? Barlow? It's the one in uh, Alaska for 30 Days of Night. None oh, of that sounds uh, odd. Oh. Yeah, uh, no. uh, is it Barlow? I think it it's Barlow. I, don't Barlow I think you're right. Yeah, the 30 Days of Night. Yeah, I mean, before the vampires even get there, it sounds like uh, I would have a hard time. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I need normal, normal daylight. <laughs> I, I looked I looked that up not that long ago and uh Barrow, Alaska. Barrow. Barrow. Oh, B-A-R-R-O-W. There you go. I I looked it up not that long ago because I think I was curious too. I just watched it. I got on a kick where I, I've seen it like five, six, seven times. It's yeah. I, I I do really like it and like I've heard like the director's commentary on it and all that stuff and and I have a few, the first three graphic novels, I think, in the series. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, is this, what's this town like? So I looked yeah. it up, like, on Google Maps. And <laughs> it's funny when you see, like, reviews for hotels there. And, like, this is where people really live. It just happens to be this also town where vampires attacked in a movie. And, but it's so expensive to live there because mm-hmm. it's so far away. They were saying, it was uh... something like that. Tw- like a case of like Coca-Cola was yeah. was like 25 bucks because it's just, I mean, Whoa. people complain about supply chain now. Yeah. Go to Northern Alaska and see if you can get stuff that you want. Wow. Okay. But yeah. What, so what about you, John? Oh, Deary, Maine. Deary, Maine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I you? mean, if, well, is, uh, sorry. What, what was the series on Hulu that had two seasons? Castle Rock. Uh, Castle Rock. You're like, I'm just that not was... going to Maine. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Any Stephen King country, like they're they're just not doing well. I mean, Castle Rock, Castle Rock personified it so much bleaker mm-hmm. than yeah. I think a lot of the movies. A lot of the other movies, it's just, you know, like or Salem's Lot or whatever. It's just a small town. It's usually yeah. small town horror ensues. But Castle Rock was just like, there's no jobs unless you work at the prison. Everyone is just depressed. And then horrible <laughs> stuff is happening. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. You have to guard your children and uh, Yeah. Whatever. Or just ignore it. Pretend like it doesn't <laughs> happen. And then just hope it doesn't happen to your kid. Like, holy crap. <laughs> How about you, Zena? Yeah. As the asker of the question. Uh, so I recently rewatched The Fog, 1980 version oh. and i watched the 2005 one which i don't mind that one but yeah i i always wanted to kind of be like stevie wayne and have like a my own little radio station or whatever because it seemed cool and the town looked pretty cool like other yeah. than you know dead people so hey, but they, they had a bone to pick they did but i didn't do it okay i just live no. here no so, <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> Hey, I mean, I could see you being like a late night DJ for sure, right? Zena. Like, she, she's a podcast co-host. She's she's yeah. on her way. And we should do it now. Bonus episode, Patreon bonus content. It'll just be Zena spinning records for yeah. like three hours. It was yelling. your radio voice yeah. and yelling. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I have to. Okay, I have to come up with one. All right. Yeah. Homework. That's your homework now. <laughs> Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website Real Queen of Horror and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. 
If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So what's been filling your heart this week, Zena? So I started watching the British dark comedy horror limited series, The Baby, 2022 (laughs) on HBO Max. Um, This one only has eight episodes. And so far, I only watched three episodes. Um, But I'm in love. I think that it's the bee's knees. So um, there's a woman (laughs) named Natasha who is so upset that her friends are just having babies. Like, why? She wants to party, play cards and talk. But, you know, they have to check on their babies and stuff. Cramping her style. Yeah, cramping her style. And she just doesn't like it. Then one day a baby literally lands in her hands literally and uh it just becomes super dramatic and very bloody uh this movie well this series is a lot of fun in some ways like natasha is somewhat relatable i remember i remember like many years ago when my friends started having babies i'm just like i don't even go to the club but it's just like who goes to the club who even says that but you know what i mean going to bars and stuff like that but it was you know it, it changes. Things change a lot and things happen, which is fine. Um, but in some ways, you know, Natasha was kind of being like a jerk. Point is, though, it kind of showcases motherhood um, in certain ways. I mean, minus like the twisted, murderous, bloody baby <laughs> running around killing people. Um, but what I think is pretty funny is that with the main character, like Natasha, no matter what she does, she tries to get rid of this baby. It just keeps on showing up. It's like and that's- it's funny. And it's, it's just a regular baby. It's just like a, the baby's really, he's super cute, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I love the fact that it does play with the idea of motherhood. There's like some isolation. And then again, there's like a murderous supernatural kid. And I'm here for it. It's a good time. Like the first episode had me hooked. It's bloody. It's funny. And if you want something that doesn't really take itself that serious and is super short, I highly recommend this one. It's like that song, The Cat Came Back the Very Next Day. Thought he was a goner. <laughs> It is like it just that baby just keeps on coming back. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, then the second thing I checked out randomly, uh, this movie called The Changeover from 2017 on Peacock. But I believe it's on Amazon and it's on Tubi because I remember seeing it a couple of times. Laura is drawn into a supernatural battle with an ancient spirit who threatens her family. So there's a 16 year old girl named Laura and she lives in a not so great area with her mom and her four year old brother named Jacko. And there's like literally this this ancient spirit that just attacks her little brother. He's trying to um, possess him, just take over his whole life. And this is based on a book from 1984, um, The Changeover of Supernatural Romance. And apparently, because I've never heard of it before, this is... Um, the author, and I never heard of her, sadly, the author, Margaret Mahai, I believe her last name is, um, she is like an award-winning children's author. And this story has been retold many, many, many years. And people just absolutely love it. It's like an old story, but it just appeals to like young readers all over. And at first, you know, I thought it was going to be like, you know, like um, one of those young adult, like supernatural romance, kind of like Twilight in in, in some sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but but not at all. It's really sleek and it's gloomy. And, you know, there's a lot of darkness that's in it. It has a really cool storyline to it because this uh, teenage girl, she kind of has this supernatural power where she can see things coming. Um, her mom, of course, doesn't believe her. So then she gets help, like, from these witches who live in town. And, oh, um, Lucy Lawless, a.k.a. Xena, she's in it, which is really cool. I love so, when but she yeah, pops these... up and things. 
me too i had no idea but yeah like um pretty much the witches they help her and and they're able to um because she had a hard time identifying this spirit or whatever it is it's basically like this guy on this this toy shop right and the little boy her little brother wanted to go in there and like most kids and that's how this force started targeting him and just following her everywhere and you can he, but he's not really a vampire but he's not you don't really know what he is because he can't come into your home and stuff like that point is it was really good i really enjoyed it and if you do have some free time and you want to uh check out a movie that i i don't know i haven't really when i looked it up i didn't really find like a lot of reviews on it uh but i really enjoyed it awesome mm-hmm. um I had my friend come over yesterday, presented him with the stack of movies, let them pick, and they chose a movie I picked up from a Scream Factory sale, which is 1990s Watchers 2. I had never seen it before. It was a blind purchase. And I'm prefacing all of, like, I'm setting this up because I feel like the best way to watch this movie is, you know, among a crowd. Because I can't say that it's a good movie, but I had a really good time with it, uh, especially with friends. So... I've never even seen the first one, but this one is, I guess, still loosely based on Dean Koontz's novel. It's got Mark Singer, a.k.a. the Beastmaster, who (laughs) plays an AWOL U.S. Marine who comes across a friendly golden retriever. Uh, But there's more than meets the eye to this golden retriever. He's uh, genetically enhanced with super intelligence, and he shares a psychic bond with a vicious monster intent on killing him and anyone who gets in his way. I don't understand how or why this is a thing, but it is. Um, but, you know, the U.S. Marine has got to team up with his canine pal and the pal's former, you know, dog trainer. They, they've got to all team up and kill this thing. That is essentially the weirdest looking rubber suited monster I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but this golden retriever totally makes this movie with this this dog i died laughing when they got this elaborate scene because he's he's on the run people think he's a murderer because this thing is killing um so he's trying to evade the detectives looking for him so he leans back in the seat and the dog is like driving like the steering wheel as (laughs) you know he's gas pedaling away and and it's all sorts of things like that where the dog's you know, using a pencil to type and things. It's so silly. But, you know, if you like a good boy, uh, it's it's cute. <laughs> Who doesn't charming. like a good boy? Who doesn't like a good boy? He's a golden retriever. Einstein. And Einstein is an Einstein. So, yeah, it's a, kind of a silly, not kind of, it's a flat out silly movie. But, you know, I like puppies and I like cheesy horror movies with friends. So, you know, it was a good time. Um, not cheesy, completely like wrecked me there. Uh, panic fest is going on right now. Um, virtually and in person in Kansas city, Missouri through pretty much the rest of the week. They, they open this weekend and they're doing screenings. You can buy single tickets, uh, to watch virtually, or, you know, you can go to the theater that they have. But anyways, the movie that I watched that, uh, just, holy hell is the outwaters it does not have a distribution yet so there's nowhere for you to watch it outside of panic fest i'm sure that will change and we'll let you know but it's it's a found footage movie and it's it's set up is basically four people go out to the mojave desert they're gonna shoot a music video um but weird things start happening 
and uh, then it gets crazy. So it plays out over like three memory cards. And the first thing that I noticed, because it is kind of traditional found footage, but a lot of found footage setups are, you know, you've got a group of cryptid hunters or paranormal investigators or film students looking to do a, you know, whatever. These people weren't looking for anything other than they're camping out there while they're filming this like Coachella like music video and stuff starts happening. And mm. then it it's it gets to pure extreme gory cosmic horror that I did not see coming. And uh I couldn't even tell you what happens except <sighs> my jaw was on the floor. So yeah, I uh, I was very impressed by this one. So yeah, that's what I watched. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, someone please pick it up and distribute it so I can see it. I'm still waiting to see my puppet movie, by the way. John, you can rent this. I'm pretty sure. <gasps> I'm pretty sure you can go on to Panic Fest right now. That's why I prefaced this oh. with like, go. Is it just during Panic Fest? Yeah. So you mm. either watch it this week or wait until somebody distributes it. Well, unless you assign it as homework for me for this week, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time. Oh, <laughs> so we'll see because remember you two have to assign me homework so now you have three movies to get ready for Does that. that start this week i'm not prepared it, for homework assigning it is oh crud see you've got you've got a little time okay i watched three movies for you just to give you <laughs> enough time that's not true at all i watched two movies and then i happened to watch another movie last night that i was like i need to talk about this before homework time there you go first one 1977's Rituals on Amazon. That's Rituals, plural. Five doctors on a wilderness outing struggle to survive and figure out who or what is after them. I feel like one of you a while ago watched this. Yeah, it or was have me. Both of you seen, you saw it? Okay. This one, it's really interesting because there's several pretty well-known actors or whether you know their names or not, like Cal Hallbrook, uh, um, like you're like, wow, this is a, these are some surprising, it's kind of a surprising cast for what amounts to a very, I'll say even like guerrilla style movie. It, it's very raw. It is not polished at all. It's a very gritty, almost grindhousey type horror movie which I largely really like. Like, I like the kind of movie that there's a certain look to it where it's like, I can just turn this on and watch this. I can kind of pay attention. Uh, I might have to quit, go back 10 seconds when someone gasps if they see something. But there's there's this different level of, like, visceral feel, especially when a movie's not polished almost intentionally. The old... um 16 millimeter film is part of it. Like when you're actually making these movies on film, there's obviously that different look to them and just like being in the woods and they're all just kind of at each other's throats. I had a problem figuring out who was who because they're all basically squabbling over who's a better or worse doctor <laughs> for like the first 20 minutes. And I'm like, I don't understand who is supposed to be who in any of this. Uh, and it, it devolves quickly. They do not handle being in the wilderness very well at all. At least you recognize Hal Holbrook, right? Like that's yeah. that. Okay. Like, 
the rest might yeah. get a little nondescript, but Hal, Hal's good. Yeah, exactly. Like, you'll look at him and be like, I recognize some of you from other places, but Hal Holbrook for sure. Well, I was a big Wall Street fan, so that definitely helped. Um, and it, it's just, it's a very gritty, grindhouse type movie. There's a lot of arguing. You have to be okay with a lot of arguing in a horror movie. And then you kind of get to the end, and it's very dark. Not dark, I mean, kind of dark content-wise, but it gets a little bit confusing as to what's actually going on at a given point because it's not as polished. There's some stuff where it's like, wow, you're spending a lot of time showing me this part that you probably don't need to spend five minutes on, but it's a good movie. It's a 70s movie. It it totally works as something to turn on just as a, I'll say like a comfort style watch. Because that's how my brain works. Um, and then, which is good because the next one made me a little bit more uncomfortable. And this is one I had to watch. Uh, Amazon popped it up for me. I started, I watched the trailer. I'm like, well, I got to watch this now. 1988's Evil Dead Trap, also on Amazon. A late night TV presenter receives a snuff tape in which a woman is brutally killed. She decides to take a crew out to a location indicated in the tape but only death and despair await them. <laughs> this one is bananas. Yeah, it's bananas in a very Japanese sort of way. Uh, face makeup plays definitely plays a part in certain parts of it. Uh, big reactions, uh, strange zooms, uh, some very... Uh, one very uncomfortable sexual scene that was consensual? And then a very uncomfortable one later on that is not. Uh, and a reveal that is absolutely bananas out of left field. Like if you, there is no indication whatsoever of what you're about to see during the climax of the movie. Where you're like, wait, that? That's what's happening right now? That should have been presented to us far earlier in the movie. <laughs> it is such a strange twist, but kind of in the in like a Japanese horror site away or, or sort of way where it's like, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't that be the thing at this point? It's all so like melodramatic and I don't know. It was I it was I... weird. <laughs> Oh, no. I, I, yeah, go. Both of you. No, I was going to say, I love this movie. It is just so over-the-top and bizarre. Oh. It's a slasher, but it's supernatural, but it's a body horror. There's just so much stuff that that's coming your way. I remember when I first watched it, I think it was like last summer for the first time, um, and I was, you know, I wanted to go to sleep to it. That was a oh. bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. When James Wan had described yes i was absolutely thinking that okay there you go i was just gonna say yeah. when he was describing like going all into you had the... to say was james wan and i was like yes because as soon as that reveal happened i was like wait a second like there was this in some way motivation or uh like homage or whatever which is an interesting transition into the next movie that I had never heard of before. I just randomly found it on Tubi. And again, I saw the trailer and I'm like, well, this is bananas and I could fall asleep to this. 
And then I just ended up watching the whole thing. And I had to talk about it today because I won't get a chance next week. And that's 1990s The Dark Side of the Moon on Tubi. Not easy to find on there. It's a little bit buried. The Dark Side of the Moon. In 2022, a repair crew is sent to fix an orbital weapon, but their spaceship malfunctions and ends up heading towards the dark side of the moon. There, a mysterious, seemingly abandoned space shuttle and a sinister force lies in wait. This, I I was thinking Event Horizon, like the whole time I was watching this. There are some very, very heavy Event Horizon feels through big chunks of the plot line and moments within the movie even the uniforms that they wear are really similar so i almost have to say this had to have been some sort of a motivation plus i don't watch a lot of space horror so i was like i have to give this one a shot and it's weird sometimes you watch movies have you ever have either of you ever watched a movie and you anchor it in time in relation to another movie where it's like Jurassic Park happened. And then you see movies where the special effects are like, Jurassic Park was 10 years ago. How does Jurassic Park have better graphics than this movie that I'm watching? Or CGI than this movie that I'm watching? Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought of that with this. I'm like, this is like six years after the last Star Wars movie. How is this what space looks like in this movie? I know the budgets are extremely different. But it's like, how is that still what we're looking at? Um the use of machine guns in mm-hmm. space that everyone's like, this is a good idea. And it's, it's very strange. It's basically survival horror in space uh, with a twist at the end that I kind of, I don't really understand why it's there. Like if it was anything else, I'd be like, okay, but it was this. And I'm like, was it just this because the writer really wanted to involve this particular theme? Because it doesn't actually change the movie at all. All it does is add another layer of questions. Like, have either of you ever seen this? No, I haven't seen this one. Okay. Well, in a normal, well, quote unquote, normal sci-fi movie, when the computer has a question to answer, the computer is just a computer. It's not a very sexy leather clad woman (laughs) that sits in a chair and is the computer and serves no purpose other than to be a computer. (laughs) Like what? Why is that a thing? (laughs) Like, All right. I mean, I know why it's a thing, but it was just like, that's so strange. And there, and that's just like the first question that I have for the producers of this. God, would that be fun? To just watch movies and then get to actually go to the writer, director, and just be like, why? (laughs) No judgment. No judgment at all. Just tell me why. Like, what was it? Was it just because it was like the late 80s and everyone just had a lot of money and coke and stuff? And you're like, let's do this. Or was there a reason? And I would like to hear, just for me. Doesn't need to be for anyone else. Just for me. That would be fun. All right. Speaking of fun, before we move on. Uh, actually we'll do, let's say, what do we watch and how do we watch it first? I checked out the baby, um, on HBO max limited series and the changeover on Peacock, uh, watchers two on Blu-ray and the outwaters at panic fest. And I watched rituals on Amazon from 1977, evil dead trap on Amazon and the dark side of the moon on Tubi. 
I'm sorry. I just have a question about the dark side of the moon. So okay. I, <laughs> I looked it up. I was looking at some pictures. And I can't show you, but you said the co- a computer is a woman who's dressed in black sitting in a chair. She's a computer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's her. That that's, picture that's that you see, she's the computer. <laughs> it's not a... Now, keep in mind, they use computers in this that do not, that aren't her. But when they want interaction and exposition, they use her. Okay, I now I must watch I this. It makes no sense, but it, it's okay. It, oh, there's another level of makes no sense going on there too where it's like, "Wait, so that location is what now?" <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, that's amazing." If only there'd been quicksand involved, it would have been like my childhood just all rolled into one. Okay. Uh before we move on, it's homework time again for John. Feel free to watch along each week and see how different our takes are on the same movie. So, what am I watching next week? Who's ready? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, so I would like for you to check out Gaia 2021. That's oh, th- thank you, actually. You're welcome. I've been meaning I've been meaning to watch it. It's good to have an excuse. It's on Hulu. Thank I just you. think that you'll like it. Awesome. And Megan. Uh don't do the Outwaters Panic Fest. Ooh, see? That was a layup. And I appreciate uh, getting back into some found footage. So how do I okay, so for both myself and the listeners, how do you watch a movie on Panic Fest? Do you just go to like panicfest.com? Yeah, go to their website and you can see like there's theatrical or virtual, and the virtual schedule will take you to an inventive page where you can buy individual tickets you like you'll see the the movie options available and just click on which movie you want and unlock and yeah it's cool so it's basically v it's basically vod it's not a schedule like i don't have to watch it at seven o'clock or something i mean it's like the, the schedule that is there is like this is when this becomes available and then you can watch it after that cool and for people that are listening who hear this before Panic Fest is over, do you know about how much each, is it like a movie ticket? Is it like 10, 15, 20 bucks? It's, uh, I did not look, but they usually are about like 12 to $15. Okay, cool. So like a movie ticket. Basically. That's a good deal. Cool. All right, I'm excited. Cool. Two movies I'm actually really looking forward to in what's probably going to be a pretty abbreviated week for me. So I guess I'm just going to have to sit and watch some horror movies. It's a hard life. A little glimpse into Megan's life, except having to not having to be, you know, good at writing. <laughs> Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Uh Wolf Like Me gets renewed for season two. This I don't think really did a huge splash. I feel like this was an under the radar show, but it's so good. And I did not think that it would get a second season because it's pretty self-contained it was only six episodes um on peacock they're 30 minutes a piece i've talked about it before on on an episode i know xena liked it as well um but yeah 
Peacock ordered up Wolf Like Me Season 2. Isla Fisher and Josh Gad are both returning to continue their bizarre romance. Oh, that's the one. I gotta check that out. Uh, Wolf Like Me stars Gad as a widowed father living in Australia, struggling with grief as he raises his daughter. And Isla Fisher is Mary, who has a secret she can't share with anyone, even as the universe seems to be bringing her and Gary together. I feel like it's pretty obvious what the secret is. Uh, Vampires. We are over the moon that Wolf Like Me's unique and high-stakes love story resonated so strongly with Peacock viewers, said Susan Rubner, chairman, entertainment content at NBC Universal Television and Streaming. Uh, Josh and Isla's critically acclaimed performances in this beloved romantic dramedy were exquisite, and we can't wait to see what Abe Forsyth has up his for uh, season two. And then a fourth site is basically, he said, I'm thrilled to be able to continue Mary and Gary's story in the next phase of their relationship, and especially considering the stakes couldn't be higher. I don't know how the stakes could get any higher, but I'm pretty excited to find out. Um, we have not heard anything about this movie in a long while, but last week was CinemaCon, which is this industry slash exhibition kind of convention in Las Vegas where studios basically re- give sizzle reels and kind of run down what's on the horizon. People uh, get delivered divorce papers on stage. That's so weird. That's yeah. horrible. That process server has got to be getting a lot of flack for that one. I have no idea how that works, but yeah. Um, but among the the stuff that was, there was a whole lot of news that came out of uh, CinemaCon, but one of them was um, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, um, which, you know, it's been quiet since we've heard anything about that, but it made an appearance during Universal's presentation at CinemaCon. It, they showed the first footage from the upcoming movie, um, and the sad part about CinemaCon is that they don't really uh, put this stuff online. So usually attendees are the ones that get to see this stuff and then we get to read about reactions or hmm. descriptions. But uh, the good news about this one is that it is coming soon. Uh, writer Bragi shoots script The Last Voyage of the Demeter has been floating around for many years with several different directors attached at various points. And then the director who eventually ended up to board the ship was Andre Uvdahl, uh, who was behind the autopsy of Jane Doe and Scary Stories to Tell the Dark. Um, they announced that back in 2021, um, but it has already been filmed and set for January 27th, 2023. Uh, Corey Hawkins stars. Um, yeah, it's based on a single chapter from Bram Stoker's dra- classic novel, Dracula, uh, The Captain's Log. So it tells the story of the Russian schooner, the Demeter, which was chartered chartered to carry private cargo uh, from Carpathia to London and the strange events that befell the doomed crew. So, yeah, and I'm pretty sure I had read that um, Javier Botet was also going to be in this. That's (laughs) what we were talking about. Yep, I remember this in in reference to him. Yeah, so that's cool. and let's see the other the, one of the other big news horror wise is Warner Brothers confirmed during CinemaCon last week that uh, the Nun Two is finally coming soon with the Conjuring Three directors uh, Michael Shavs taking over. Uh, producer James Wan then confirmed on Instagram that Bonnie Aaron's will be back. Uh, Bonnie Aaron's played the demonic nun known as Valak both in Conjuring Two and the Nun, and it's uh, awesome that she'll be back. Uh, last we heard meaning that you know i'm sure this was a while ago um because i don't think the nun 2 news has 
I feel like that had gone dormant for a long while. But last we heard from that was uh, Elkila Cooper, who wrote Malignant. She will be back writing The Nun 2. Um, and yeah, for I mean, I saw a lot of people not understanding how we would get a, The Nun 2 because it tends to be lower ranked for a lot of people on their Conjuring rankings. But uh, it was the highest grossing Conjuring Universe movie, I think, by far. Uh, mm-hmm. three hundred sixty-five million dollars at the worldwide box office. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's why. That's why we're getting a nun too. <laughs> um, also, uh, I feel like this is the week for callbacks to previous episodes. Um, up next from Elizabeth Banks is the ripped from the headlines thriller Cocaine Bear for Universal. Yay! Which uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are on board to produce. The movie is inspired by true events that took place in Kentucky in 1985 and was written by Jimmy Warden. Universal will bring Cocaine Bear to theaters on February 24th, 2023. The basic gist of the story, if you did not catch our episode where we were discussing Cocaine Bear, I don't even know when that was. Uh, The gist of the story is that a 175-pound black bear was found dead from an overdose after ingesting massive amounts of cocaine dropped into the woods by a drug drug smuggler. The movie finds an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converging in a Georgia forest where a 500-pound apex predator has ingested a staggering amount of cocaine and gone on a coke-fueled rampage for more blow and blood. I really hope that's the tagline. Like more, more blow, blow and, and blood. blood. <laughs> yes. Uh, Carrie Russell, Ray Liotta, Aiden Aaron Reich, O'Shea Jackson, and Jesse Tyler Ferguson have signed on to star. So, yeah. That's nice. amazing. It's also a shirt you should not wear to your kids' elementary school carnival. You get looks. I feel like you should. But I, but I do love <laughs> that shirt. Oh, I did. That's how I know. All right, listeners, your turn. Still trying to figure out what the monster is in Wolf Like Me? Ready to get your opening day tickets to Cocaine Bear right next to me? Let's hear about it. You can call or text us at 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes, or you can feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zena is going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clues on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? Well, besides from Bloody Disgusting TV and Screenbox, we have uh, some cool movies coming our way this week. Uh, But let's first start off with a series. So on Thursday, the 3rd, Happy May, by the way, Curse Films on Shudder. It's the season finale. And this one, they're going to be talking about 1980s Italian cannibal horror, Cannibal Holocaust. So if you want to know some stuff about that film, go ahead and watch it. (laughs) It's a great series. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's like... Cannibal Holocaust has a crazy enough history to know anything about it. So I can't wait to see like what other like little tidbits they throw in there. I'm excited about it as well. Then on Friday the 4th, um, we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in theaters. I know, Zena, this is not, this is not really a horror movie. Well, you know what? I'm having it it on here, okay? Because I feel like it has horror elements and it's going to be on this list. And we're all- And it's Sam Raimi and it's as close as we're going to get in a Marvel movie. There you go. Thank you, John. So Dr. Stephen Strange casts a a forbidden spell that opens a portal to the multiverse. However, a threat emerges that may be too big for his team to handle. Then also on Shudder, we have The Twin. This one will be premiering um, in Shudder. So this is like all over. So not just only in the U.S. or or Canada. It will also be available in theaters, on demand, 
and digital in the U.S. and Canada. So a mother who needs to confront unbearable truth about her surviving twin son. Then we have The Shepherd. This one will be available in limited theaters. A young Scottish shepherd following the death of his unfaithful wife fights to maintain his own sanity when the past catches up with him. Then on Monday, the 9th, we already spoke about this. Megan mentioned this for John. Popcorn will be available on Shutter. Yay. So check it out. And then on Tuesday, um, the 10th, we have They Talk. That one will be available on VOD and DVD. Sound engineer Alex accidentally records sinister, sinister voices while shooting a documentary. The voices do not sound human, and they appear to be trying to warn him about someone or something. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> then we also have Land Shark. I, I'm excited. I really want to see this movie. It's coming out on DVD. A scientific group attempting to genetic, genetically modify a shark creates a destructive, deadly machine that even they can't control. After breaking free from captivity, this predator goes on a rampage looking for its favorite meal. Humans! So there you go. I mean, I made it like a third of the way through avalanche sharks so i could probably make it like a third of the way through this bonus episode and that's the bloody disgusting podcast for this week everyone if you'd like to read more from megan you can check out her reviews of bloodydisgusting.com and on twitter at haunted meg xena can be found on her own website realqueenofhorror.com and the youtube channel the same name or at lovely xena on twitter and you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast creepy and if you're in the Estes Park area near the Stanley Hotel, I might just be there next week. <gasps> you won't know what I look like. It doesn't matter. And I don't talk to people in public, so you'll never know oh, I was there. Oh, my God. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards, check us out on patreon.com slash bedisgustingpod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. <laughs> <laughs>